Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, uh, Larry Vincent, and we are so glad that, that you are on, uh, that you are listening to us today, uh, and that we have with us uh, two of my uh, best, closest friends. I love these two so much. I love their entire family. Uh, the Ford family. So Brian and Jen, say hello to the podcast world. Hi, podcast world. Howdy. Howdy? That's what you go with? You oh, had, gotta shake it up. You had one chance to make a good first impression, Brian. Well, probably better than Aloha. Wow. Aloha. No, I think that went better. I think that went, <laughs> I think that went better. I, you know, I think that went good. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna be talking today about uh, somewhat of a, a sensitive topic, uh, and we'll get into that here in a moment. Uh, but as we always do, uh, we are going to do our uh, obligatory first sip of the podcast. Um, so, uh, Jen, what you drinking there? Well, I took your recommendation, and I got a blonde flat with almond milk. And because it is eight o'clock at night, I chose a small, a tall. Mm. It's only two shots. Okay, it's only two shots. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. want to be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. you got to sleep. Sleep's important. Yes, uh, yes it is. We'll co- talk about that. Coffee has uh, absolutely no impact on my ability to either sleep or not sleep. Um, I, uh, when, I, when I first moved here uh, four years ago, I stayed with this great couple. Love them to death. Um, won't put their names out. but um, We know who you're talking Yeah, about. we all know who I'm talking about, just for the sake of the podcast, because I don't want to you know, ruin their privacy. Um, but uh, stayed with them. And, and I, as a gift for them, I got the, the husband uh, a French press, you know. And I was like, here, this is for you, just to say thank you for letting me stay. And every night I'd get home from church, it'd be about like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, and he would have a French press of coffee ready for the both of us. And I didn't want coffee that late, you know. Uh, but I was like, you know, all right, fine. You know, I'm gonna, I'll drink the coffee. You know, I don't want to be rude. You know, I am a guest in his house. And for three months, I drank coffee at like <laughs> 9.30 and 10 o'clock at night. But I would go straight to sleep, right? Wow, straight to sleep afterwards. And three years later, I'm talking to this guy. And I said, you still drinking coffee that late? He goes, good golly, no. Why would I ever do that? It's like, it's like you did that for the entire time I was staying at your house. He goes... Yeah, because you wanted to. I go, no, I didn't. <laughs> there was never a part of me that wanted to do that. I was just trying to be polite. And he goes, yeah, I was trying to be polite too. So for three months, oh, that's funny. we were both just trying to be way too polite to one another. So, And that's a really intense form of coffee. It is. That's, it, that's it's a, stronger. That's a very, like, you're dedicated to coffee drinking if you're going straight for Just express. say what you're thinking. Coffee snobs. You're a coffee I am, snob. I am a coffee snob. I'm a coffee snob, and I'm yeah. a proud coffee snob. I have been this way since college. So, I mean, it's bad. Yeah, my, but it's who I am. You have to just accept me. Yeah. I identify I, as a coffee I, snob. I, 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 I accept you for who you Thank are. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, you're welcome. Brian, what you drinking there, bud? The manliest of coffee drinks. <laughs> it looks it. A strawberry Akea refresher with absolutely no coffee in it whatsoever. Wow, that is uh, very manly. You know, uh, and I'm not going to challenge that because uh, a previous a podcast guest named Kelly Odom uh, questioned my manliness with what I got the last time I was uh, I had her on the podcast. So well, I figure I'm doing the world a favor because I'm dominant enough 
that I don't need the the coffee to to push me over the top. You know, I, I I've always had uh, I've always had people ask me if coffee you know improves the energy level there, and I go, no, this is all natural, man. This <laughs> energy is just all natural. Yeah. Well, maybe you're one of those that, that caffeine and stuff works for worse. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen coffee. me calm? It could be worse, ma'am. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> if I ever, so let this be a warning to the podcast world. If I ever uh, decide to, you know, you know, get off a of coffee to, totally, please uh, force coffee down my throat. Yeah. All right, um, yeah. just for the fun funsies of it. Uh, I am drinking my normal, my huge, as the kids. I don't know really if the kids say it. <laughs> I have, not my students. I, I have no idea. Really, I have a teenager who'd probably be shaking his head right now if I said huge in front of him. Uh, but I am getting my huge, uh, which is a blonde flat white. Uh, so thank you for the gift of coffee You're today. You're welcome. Um, so, all right. So let's take that first sip of the podcast. That's good. It's very good. That is good. I've thank you. I've not tried the blonde white flat. Yeah, I, I, I like a good blonde espresso. Yeah. It's way better than the normal espresso. So yeah. anyway. All right, guys. Well, let's <clears throat> let's talk about what we're talking about here tonight. Um, and... Uh, it's hard to transition from lightheartedness to such a serious topic. Um, but you know, I think that's just life, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, you go from lightheartedness, not a care in the world to junk of life. Right. Um, and so here's what I, here's what I would like to do. I I want, we're going to talk about miscarriages today and we're going to talk about, um, infant loss. We're going to talk about how the church, um, has responded uh, both correctly and incorrectly, maybe, okay, uh, if that's part of your experience, and what the church, how the church should respond in the future, and how Christians in general, um, or people in general, really, mm-hmm. should respond to somebody going through something like that, or where somebody who goes through it can get help or yeah. community, all right? Um, so, uh, so why don't we start with your story, okay, uh, as, as much as you want to share, this is you know, not something, if you don't feel comfortable sharing every detail, you don't have to, obviously. Uh, but let's start with your story, and then we'll talk about the ministry uh, that you guys have created as a result. Okay. Well, back in 2017, uh, it was actually the day before Christmas 2016, we found out we were expecting. Um, excited, a little shocked, because we thought we were done. Um, but just accepted that blessing, and then... Um, mid-March started to have complications and I was in my second trimester right about that then and went in for, called my husband at, from school, I'm a teacher, so called my husband and said something's wrong and so we made an appointment, went to the doctor and there was no heartbeat. But I mean the baby was, was far along, I mean he was 17 weeks, I was 17 weeks pregnant with our first so, um, very shocked, very shocked. And I think the first miscarriage is the, almost the most painful because it's so raw. Like you just said, that joyful, like naiveness. Yeah. When you have, when you're pregnant, there's just nothing but joy. Right. Oh yeah. You're like the expectations, the excitement, is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? What's life going to be like? But then when that's robbed of you and death creeps in and that's taken away, it really, truly can take your breath away. It, um, just the feeling. I remember 
coming home from that doctor's appointment, running up to my bathroom because it's like the quietest place for a mom to ever maybe get to. Still not that quiet, no, right? I, mean, yeah. I still have kids who come in every time, but um, going in there and just crying out to God, you knit this baby together in my womb. You know his name. You created him. How could he just be swept away? And just dealing with that, that whole understanding that God forms and knows life, and yet this life totally taken away. Mm-hmm. And two days later, I did deliver him, um, got to hold him, we got to see him, we got footprints and handprints, and we, had a, we have a wonderful doctor at Hendricks, um, Dr. Kaler, we only praise her, she's delivered all of our children and been in every miscarriage and life delivery. We have some wonderful nurses. Um, during that whole time, uh, my doctor was texting me scriptures. You know, that hmm. to me was speaking to me spiritually, not just physically. She was yeah. taking care of my physical needs, but she was also there for me emotionally and spiritually. I mean, we purposely picked her to be our my OB because I knew she was a Christian and I believed in what she believed in. Um and then, well, and the first day, on top of the emotions, was the denial, uh, especially for you. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to accept what the doctor said is this isn't just a dream. Like all afternoon, you kept saying, "I just want to wake up. I just want to wake up. I just want to wake up." Was there a fog at the beginning of that? I think for her, a little bit. For me. The hurt for for the husband is different than it is for the wife. Oh, sure. And mine was a loss to be able to help her. Yes. It was that helpless feeling of my wife's heart is crushed. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing I can do or say Mm. that's going to make it better, at least today. Yeah. And and, and especially with our first loss, I went into this, I've got to figure out how to fix it. Right. And it's not what she needed. But it's the only response that I knew how to give. Sure. Was, I have to figure out a way to fix this. I, I can't do anything about saving the baby. So I have to figure out how to fix her. Yeah. Because she's broken. And I can't stand to see her broken. Right. And so I went into trying to solve the, the, the problems of the world to make her happy. And it's exactly opposite of what she needed. Mm-hmm. How did you respond to him doing that? I just said, stop trying to fix me. I just want you to listen to me. Yeah. You know? At first, he wanted me to... Well, let's be honest. It made made you angry. Oh, it did. Well, because my issue, too... My issue, too, was... As a mom, your job is to grow these babies and take care of yourself, take care of them. And I just kept looking at my calendar. At what point did this baby stop beating, this heartbeat stop beating, and I was totally unaware. Did you feel... This guilt of, like... Did you feel like a failure? Oh, absolutely. Really? Big time. Yeah? Because even though I, you know, I didn't do drugs, I didn't like live a scary, harmful life, it was still my job to protect this baby. Or if it was going to pass away, I felt like I would have known. Yeah. You know, like at this point, maybe you would start feeling, this is my fourth pregnancy, so I, maybe I would have felt a baby kick. Right. Or something like that. But I really, I just remember looking at my calendar and coming out to the bedroom angry like what in the world were we doing that was so much more important than realizing our baby's heartbeat stopped do you think this is a and i i want to stay with the story but i want to ask this question because i think a lot of people or maybe are asking this on the podcast 
is what you were feeling a common experience for moms who go through miscarriage? From the people I've talked to and support groups that I am part of online and stuff, it is very much okay. like what or what's wrong with my body. Yeah. Like I don't know mom that I know of ever purposely says I'm just going to end this. Yeah, right. You know, and to have this kind of emotion and feeling. Mm-hmm. But what is wrong with me that this happened? Yeah. And wanting to know those answers. To this day, we've had a total of five losses. I've been pregnant four times. Our third miss was twins. We're twins. And the only time we ever got answers was with our most recent, a year ago, almost to the day Mm -hmm. of when we lost our last baby. Yeah. And he had trisomy 19. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, most of them end in the first trimester. Yeah. With our twins, there was a baby, but by the time we had an ultrasound, there was no heartbeat for the one. There was a strong heartbeat for the other, but often if something's wrong with one twin, it'll transfer to the other, or that one twin will rob the other twin of nutrients. I mean, that happens, but the other's no answers. And I just search, like, what did I do in my lifetime? Me and myself, what did I do? Yeah, yeah. And again, then, then as as the husband, your your job is to. As she feels as strongly that it was her job to bring bring these babies to term and protect them. The husband's job is to protect his family. Yes. And this is something that I couldn't protect her from. Yeah. And the self destructiveness that mm-hmm. came along with it, and that's really what that is. It's a self destructive desire to I. I'm going to bore into this until I solve the problem mm-hmm. at the expense of whatever it costs. Yeah. And she lost herself in it for a while. And it was it was hard to, to watch it and still have nothing I could say. I could tell her I loved her. I could tell her it wasn't her fault. The doctors could tell her it wasn't her fault until she came to grips with that herself. Yeah. That there was nothing she could do. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reality is... We have to be careful with that, and in, in not just this, and anything in life that, that's out of our control that we want to take on ourselves is, I'm not God. Yeah. You know, God could change the circumstances. He chose not to. Yeah. I don't know why. I can't understand that. As we've been talking in Sunday school and things like that, there are certain a- answers to questions that in this life we may never know. Right, yeah. But I'm not God. Yeah. But and, that's a hard, and that, that's and, a really hard thing because... With our second one, before that, the second miscarriage, I didn't. I had had. I had a DNC, and before we had that DNC, I just kept praying like some miracle would occur. And I believe in miracles, and I believe in the power of prayer. For whatever reason, God did not choose to answer the way I saw the will to be. Yeah, I'm yielding to His will is not always my understanding, but at the time, I really questioned. I prayed and prayed and prayed. You know, bring this baby back to life. And I made him do another ultrasound before we had surgery because when you have surgery, there's no turning right. back. Right, just in case. Yeah, just yeah. in case. Right, yeah. And, and, and the doctor was, was good with that because she was yeah. willing to, to ease Jen's discomfort of well, her mind. Yeah. She's a believer and she was like, yeah, I want to make sure, you know, that this baby's really passed. Yeah. She hates, she cried with me the whole way back to oh. the operating room because she hates doing DNCs. Yeah. And she tried to get handprints and footprints, you know. Because she values life, our doctor, but um, just being, I I remember really praying really, really hard that 
God would just breathe life back into this baby, into every one of them. Yeah. We just watched the movie um, Breakthrough, where yeah. the little boy fell through the water. Uh huh. Right. And I didn't really lose it until the mom was in the hospital room by herself, screaming out to God over her then dead son. And I remember watching it. I text my sisters and my best friend, and I said, I screamed that same prayer every single time. Yeah. And God sometimes doesn't choose. That's not his will. It's not this angry, hateful God. Yeah. But that wasn't his will for our babies. Yeah. It doesn't make it easier. No. It's just what I've come to now. Yeah. And, it, and it's been a long, long road to get to this. Yeah. How, uh, so how long did the, uh, if I can say this term, I'm not a professional, right? So a therapist, yeah, but it seems like depression, right? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I say that with tenderness and you know, sincerity. Yes. Um, and. How long did that depression um, last for you two? I I think she still deals with it on a daily basis. It's it's better than it was, mm-hmm. um, but it's there. I, I I never went into a depression myself. Uh, it was constant heartbreak mm-hmm. for for the loss of, of the little ones, but more to see my wife so lost in her hurt yeah now let me ask you this brian um oftentimes and rightfully so we focus on uh the mother during the miscarriage obviously we should sure i'm not saying we shouldn't um but we do almost negate how the husband the father is going through all this and i know you've talked a little bit about how you wanted to solve the problem and and you know help your wife out but what about your own connection to this child? How, how did you deal with the loss of your child? And you know, I th- to answer your question, I, I think um, we as a society, uh, even even the church, uh, in in times of things like this, it's easy to have your heartbreak for the mother, mm-hmm. um, but it's easy to separate the father from the equation. He didn't carry the baby. You're yeah, right. And, and so um, I, I think for, for us, our message to, to people that, that will listen to us is men don't have to hide from the fact that they're hurting. Yes. Um, and I think if they're honest, mm-hmm. their heart's broken, one, again, for, for the loss, but two, for the same helpless feelings that I went through. Right. There's nothing they can do to fix the situation. Yeah. Um, and so I think we have to remember to intentionally put effort into the, the, the husbands of, of the, the relationship to say, you know what, you're suffering too. Yes. Your heart breaks too. Yeah. And, and, and come along beside them and put our arm around them so you, you don't have to go through this alone. So as a husband, did you show that vulnerability to Jen? In the moment, or were you too afraid to? I think initially, um, I was better at just letting my emotions flow. Yeah. Um, but then that that need to fix her mm-hmm. drove me to the point where okay, now I've had my time to cry. Yeah. And suck it up. Yep. And take care of your wife. Yeah. Take care of your kids, and and, and our kids were just as much a part of this. Our kids still today cry yeah when when they there are certain songs that will trigger our kids and and they cry uh and and they still 
<laughs> our, our, our youngest son just the other day came up to Jen and said, can we? Can you try again? Can we? Can oh. we just one more time? I just really want a baby really brother. Want a baby brother. Yeah. Because our kids love their siblings. They they love. They, they want to be a part of a big family, and they still mourn. Yeah. That loss, and I think sometimes we forget that as well. So, how do you help the kids deal with all this then? Um, that's a little tougher because their minds, as much as we can't understand. What's going on? We're full-grown adults. We've been Christians for a long time, and we've experienced a lot of things in life, and we can't wrap our heads around it. Right. So you take small children, yeah, and you put them in a circumstance that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. and it's really hard for them to wrap their head. Now they understand that our 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 little ones are in heaven and they're with Jesus. They understand that something happened, and they didn't make it. They understand that there's nothing we can do to bring them back. Yeah. Um, but nothing replaces that to them. They, yeah. they still are missing yeah. that sibling mm-hmm. that should have been. We've been transparent with them. I remember yeah. that the day we found out we lost our second. Yeah. Um, and we've named all of our children too. So our first loss was Caleb. Our second loss was Isaac. And when we found out we lost him, I came home and I was I was angry. Sure. My in-laws were with us. The kids were there. Mm-hmm. I had to go to the doctor by myself because it was just supposed to be, a regular, supposed to be a regular check-in. I kind of felt like I had like a sinus infection. I'm like, well, I'll call. They'll always let you come and see them. You don't have to have an appointment when you right. had a miscarriage. They just let you in. And I came home, and I was angry, yeah. angry, screaming, yelling, not at any one person. Yeah. Angry like... This deep rage. Yeah. But it's not like, I mean, I yell at my kids sometimes, but like this was different. And, but they've also seen us cry and be sad. They've seen us um, at funerals for our babies. Yeah. Um, just seeing that whole thing, seeing God bring hope and peace, the sweeps of our house. I mean, we don't cry on a daily basis. It's not like we're in a constant state of mourning, but sure. they've definitely seen us go through that. And yeah. they, they value life. You know, they yeah. want more siblings, which is contrary to maybe society today, but they understand and they're hopefully more sympathetic to others who lose, you know? Um, well, we've been intentional in, in the loss to try to give them teaching points uh, with, with Kaylee. Um, with with our Caleb. first loss, um, she got to deliver. So there was a, a small baby, um, and we we intentionally brought Kaylee in to see the baby, to, because we wanted to reinforce. There's an argument in our society today that that's not a baby. Yeah, and we don't feel that way. Sure, we feel that that God created that 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 child, and it's a child from creation. And so for her to see that small one, mm-hmm. and it looks like a baby, no matter that it's not full term, no matter how small it is, yeah. there's no argument at that point when you're right. face-to-face. Yeah. And so we tried to, in the hospital, I mean, it, this is while it's going on, yeah. to include her in that dialogue so that she could reaffirm in herself just what she believes. Yeah. So, so you know, it sounds like you guys were doing uh, the best you could with your own within your own selves of and your own family of of really coming to terms and gripping with this tragedy right um how did the church respond and 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 let's talk positive and negative all right um and um you know just because i think it 
so many of us just don't know how to respond, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I'll, I'll have a specific question uh, on, on, you know, about, you know, people you know, like me here in a moment. But I want to hear your experience first. How did the church respond, positive or negative? Well, I, I mean, I would say we had a very positive overall, just surrounded by love, um, we had a friend of mine who set up a meal train. Mm-hmm. You know, we were set for meals for like six weeks, you know, and that helps so much because when you are healing physically and your hormones are, because just like you gave birth to a baby, you just don't get to bring that baby home. Right, right. Um, you're just full of all of that. You're exhausted. You're trying to just get up and live life every day. So just having that surrounded, amazing. Yeah. Um, with our other losses, um, we have a very close small group, yeah. and they just surrounded us with so much love and support, and the men and the women, and yeah. a lot of us have had miscarriages in our small group, so yeah. it's kind of an underlying bond between us moms. Well, and I think you have to be careful with, with the question of how did the church respond. Um, I think any church uh, with this topic is ill-prepared. Yeah. To, to deal with it. One is a lot of times it's never discussed. Yeah. People people go through this and nobody outside their family may even know that anything happened. Yeah. Um, so the church in general, I think, would be willing to respond, but they're usually excluded. And then how to respond is different because for lots of years, and, and we've experienced it through a lot of the people we've talked to, especially from the generation before us. Yeah. Uh, it was a taboo subject. Yeah, like you went through it, about. you never talked about it's it again. Kind of still is, but but it even is. even yeah. more so then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of our dear friends that's a nurse. Uh, her husband at the time when she went through hers, uh, you know, it, this happened, it's done. Don't ever speak about it again. Wow, yeah. and that was kind of the mindset. Yeah, and so it just never was something that you dealt with mm-hmm. in public. That was a private thing. You deal with mm-hmm. it in private. Um, and so the church has been kind of behind because it just was never brought to the forefront. And so that's one of the reasons why Jen and I decided that it was time for that to not be the case anymore. Yeah, and I want to, and I want to get there. Um, I, one question on, on I, you know, one of the questions I always have been wanting to know uh, from a perspective, you know, Heather and I, uh, my my wife, we we've never had a miscarriage, you know. And we have six kids, right? Um, and, and it's hard when you hear a friend who you love, who you care for, you know, um, you know that you respect, you know, and you hear that they're going through a miscarriage and not thinking about the child growing, you know, growing yeah. in your in your life and feeling that guilt almost. You know, because I think yeah. if I remember correctly. We had, uh, you know, Luca. Yeah, we were pregnant yeah. at the same time. Yeah, Luca and, yeah. and your, which, I'm sorry, I don't remember which. It would have been the twins. It would have been the twins. We, we named them Enid and Hope. And yeah. your wife did a great job. She said, I, I'm, Jen, I've never gone through this. Yeah. But I'm here for you. Oh. So just saying yeah. things like, I don't, one of our dearest friends who helps us in our ministry, she's never gone through it. I pray she never goes through it. Yeah. But doesn't make her less empathetic. When she like helping, in fact, sometimes she's great for this kind of mystery because I'll easily cry. I mean, that's just going to come out of me. I'm just yeah. a crier, and she can be more posed and level headed at a moment. And 
And she would like to hear that. Both. <laughs> she does a great job. But people who just, first of all, saying nothing hurts just as much as saying the inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You don't, and you know, it's uncomfortable, but sometimes we just need to get uncomfortable with people. Like if we want to be real and yeah. show God's love, sometimes you just got to go do the uncomfortable. You've got to sit at the hospital. You got to go to your, the house and just yeah. sit. And we are surrounded. I feel so grateful for so I have a husband that loves me and allowed me to talk and it continues to allow me to talk. If I'm having a bad day, I can just say it's because it's, yeah, uh, you know, it's an anniversary day, and it's a this. And he talks about it. a lot of husbands don't do that. We also have parents who are super supportive, and a lot yeah. of people don't have that. Yeah. yeah, we have friends and siblings who are just. My sister just came and sat with me at our house for days. But it, but it's not time to to your point. Um, we had family members who were pregnant at the same time. Yeah, who oh, felt guilty. That's right. Yes, yeah. who felt guilty and came to to Jen when they because she is like as soon as she found out. She came to Jen and let her know, and she says, I don't want this to cause a, a problem. Uh, and I can't say that, that this response is the same for everybody, but it, we've never been bitter yeah, because somebody else mm-hmm. was able to to have the child and have it since this began uh, our journey. And that's one thing I really appreciate about you two because we had that conversation. Sure. Yeah, but we you. also have yeah. living children. Yes, And I true. think that's also yeah. key to some people. If, if I had never been able to give birth to a live child, yeah. my... My truth, my human side, yeah. might have been very jealous of other people. Yeah, yeah. Just knowing me as a human, probably would have been jealous. Sure. But because we have living children, that also is different. You asked a question about inappropriate things or yes. things that aren't beneficial. Yeah. I think saying things like, well, at least you have other children at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you know what my children say to that? What's that? Why were we allowed to live and our siblings oh, not wow. allowed to live. Like that's a deep. Yeah. Th- I can't answer that. Wow. I'm grateful that I have. That was a children. question your children oh, asked absolutely. you. Absolutely. Really? That and we've never prompted. I never would have thought to ask that. Yeah. Um, not from our youngest, but our two sons will ask that. Why did God choose that we live? Yeah. But not these babies. You know where I hear that question? Combat soldiers. Yeah. Survivors remorse. Yeah. Is, is, is a very. I hear that question yeah. all the time in combat. You never want a child. No, and they came up, but don't say, I know I'm lucky I have life children. It doesn't take away from the pain of losing the children that yeah. we lost. Yeah. Saying, I mean, oh, it's God's will. I know it's God's will. I know. I know that God is in control, but maybe not at that moment. I don't know. So people, I think, always have the best intentions. Yes. I never took anything and was like, I can't believe Brian, they said this, and it was the well, worst Well, you, mo- you might have taken it that way, but you didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. The fact. I mean, look, I mean, and, that, and that's the thing that I think people forget. Is that these are well-intentioned comments? Yes, they are. They you are. Know, I mean, they really are. They're, Nobody was ever malicious. No. Right. Maybe insensitive, yes, but yeah. not not poor. Yeah. You know, I think malintent. it comes from a spirit of wanting to help. Yes. And not knowing how. And that's when that's when you just stay quiet. Yeah. yeah. You just yeah. offer that crying shoulder, right? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. That's yeah. correct. I think and, I think that's even for me. Yeah. Uh, I had to get through the fix-it zone to just shut up and listen. Yeah. Yeah, now we can go two hours on this, and, and I want to get to the ministry part of this, because this, for me, is so amazing for you, you know, that you guys, you know, uh, wanted to do this. I, I, I remember it was either an email or a phone call or a conversation, something happened where you're like, we need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to put this out. Um, you know, we need to, we, we want to minister to other couples who go through this. So let, let's talk about uh, what led you from 
this grieving process to the action of the ministry uh, that you're we're calling hope um, you know the infant loss miscarriage ministry how did that how did you go from the, the grief to wanting to do something well Brian and I, Brian and I have always been people who if God takes us through something and yeah. we were we will always give glory to him and we will always talk about what God has done for us and through us and not initially, I don't think initially, probably for the first two years after losing Caleb, were we even thinking this. Yeah. But as I started listening to other women share their story of no place to go to, their church doesn't talk about it, there was no acknowledgement of it, families who had nothing, and I'm looking at our lives, and I'm like, we have been so blessed. Yeah. This does need to be talked. You know, if we believe that life begins at conception, yeah. then we need to celebrate these babies for when, the, as long as they were here on earth. And right. more than that, we need to be there and help this healing process. We, I am not healed. Do I still have bouts of depression? Absolutely. I had to go to therapy. Yeah. I had to go on antidepressants for a while. Um, I think I've been through that whole thing, but we see our hope in God. Yes. You know, my biggest fear would be that I would totally blow it. Yeah. And not get to see Jesus. Yeah. And then not get to see my babies when I go to heaven. I mean, like, you... what a glorious day that's going to be. But if I deny Christ or I shut him off from my heart right. and I grow dark and hardened, yeah. there's not going to be any hope in me. There's no joy. And that. And I also, I remember after our after Caleb, I just wanted to go home and be around life. Like, yeah. you're holding your dead baby you just want to go home and be on life again. Well, it again. was like a switch turned on for you. Like you, you held him until that switch came on, and he said, "Okay, now it's time to to give him yeah. up. I need to go home and see my kids." Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine not having Christ during no, this time? And that's a scary thought, uh, and that's what I think one of the things that that drove us to the the need to do something uh, for me and and for her both. I can't imagine going through all of the the garbage of life. Especially really hard things like this. Yeah. And getting to the end of my life and think it was for nothing because there was no gain yeah. from the experience. Yeah. Just heartache. Yeah. And so I think for us, it's it's a way to, to get something, and God does all things, uh, for, for the purpose of building us up so that we can build others up. Yes. And, and so... We could internalize it and take it to our grave, and that be the end of it. And when it came to the end of life, we just suffered heartbreak for heartbreak's sake. Mm-hmm. Or we can do something with it and help others. And in doing so, there's there's a, there's a there's reward in our heart for that, right? Because somebody else may not have to suffer as much as we suffered, or might be at least have their pain eased. Yeah. By finding out that they're not alone. Or have that peace from Christ that surpasses all understanding, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Or, I mean, or at least see that in yeah. somebody. Yeah. And know that it's possible. Yeah. And I think that's 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 a very Christian thing, right? I mean, yeah. this this idea that I have I have this problem going on and and this is the worst thing I've ever gone through. Absolutely. And what would it be like if I didn't have Jesus? And then that's when the moment clicks that these people who don't have Jesus in their life, you don't have a faith, and are going through this, they have to be going through just complete despair oh, and, and depression. And and if we can impart hope, yeah, and lead them to Christ, mm-hmm. then that's that's what the ministry is. Yeah, 
And I think so much of that occurs when there's no outlet. There's no one to talk to. There's You feel that there's no one who understands. Right. So many times uh, moms who go through this, and dads even more, they have no one to talk to. Yeah. They don't have family that's going to be open, and they're not going to share this. And there's a lot of crazy thoughts you have. You know, you're really processing. You had this life. Now it's gone. And how do you move on from that? Um, and there's got to be a way to tell stories. There's got to be a way to heal that. Right. Um, so how does your ministry do that then? Well, I one of the most healing things we got to experience was through our hospital. They have a yearly memorial service. And I didn't want to go because I, at that point, I was very comfortable with my grief. Mm-hmm. I was. I could even say I was happy there. I was just, that was who I was. Well, it became your comfortable spot. It was. Sure. Yeah. Because I felt like if I were to heal, I might live a day without thinking about yep, him. Yep. So I didn't want to go, but we went and it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. You know, we did this, just a simple illustration of you have a balloon and you release it. Just letting that go. I yeah. really truly felt that day that God had taken that burden. Like you don't have to carry this alone. Yeah. You let me carry this burden with you, Jen. I'm going to help you heal. Yeah. Will you ever forget your children? No, because right. I'm human, and those were my babies. Right. But I'm going to help you get up and be joyful again. You're yeah. going to smile again. You're going to be happy and do crazy things with your kids, and you're going to love your husband again. You know, like all... Not that I didn't love you. Let me repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, show kindness and, you know, not just we, we, yeah. anger, you know. We understand. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't want to rephrase that for all the listeners. I do love my husband. But... That that simple ceremony was so important. Yeah. We've also just been, you know, in this church, if we hear somebody having a miscarriage, um, Chanel Rhodes or I or Brian were talking about, yeah. you know, talking to them, being their hands and feet, talking, having yeah. those conversations. You're not alone. And it wasn't too far after you guys started this ministry, and I, we won't say names, obviously. Yeah. That there was a miscarriage in the church, mm-hmm. um, you know, close friends of, of yours and mine. because of that, yeah. actually, that yeah. brought us. Yeah, oh, that's right. It was that because was a of that. common you, yeah. bond yeah. between us, and, yeah. and you were like, "You need to go talk to Jen Forge." Yeah, you just went through, and and it really was, and even in that, realizing, "Wow, I'm not alone. Someone else has gone through this too," builds a lot of healing on our part. Well, for at us the same too. time. It's expanded beyond our church. Yeah. Uh, she's had the opportunity to, to speak to people uh, as far away as California. Yeah. And Pennsylvania and things through a network of, of friends and, and, and family um, because they hurt too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so so it's it's allowed her to really expand beyond her, her geographic border. Yeah. Um, and at least be some bit of a light to people who don't seem to have any. Uh, you know, we we started. We decided to start the the ministry here, and uh, we were planning on the the opening. We were supposed to record uh, a video with Colin. Yeah. To introduce it. Yeah. The day we were scheduled to have it, we found out we lost yep. our second child. I remember that. Um, and that could have been the end of it. Right. Um, you know, it would have been easy to say enough's enough, but even in that, we looked at each other and said, "We we have to do this." Yeah. We have to go on because now our hearts are, are broken twice over. Yeah, right. Um, I don't want to see other people lost in this pain. Yeah. So talk about the October event because, you know, uh, we're going to be airing this uh, probably a couple of weeks before the event. 
Uh, and so we want to give our listeners a chance mm-hmm. to participate if they choose to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only got about like another maybe 10 minutes left in the podcast. Um, so let, let, let's talk about that, that service. What, what's going on? When is it? Where is it? What's the purpose? Well, what we would really like to do is make this as personal to people who are coming as possible. Okay. One of the things that we have seen is that these babies pass away. Sometimes you never get to see them. Yeah. And there's nothing to come from. You yeah. have no, like, little socks or onesies or blankets that came for that baby. But what you can have is their name. Mm-hmm. And we have found it very healing to name all of our children that we've lost. And, and it that's, shows, shows that, that we, we feel they have worth. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not just something that was here and gone. That was my child. Right. Yeah. And and so we... we We've been a part of several services, and I think one of the, the best parts is giving parents the opportunity to speak the name of their so child. So you guys are having a memorial service? Yes, yeah, so we'll have a specific memorial service okay. on Saturday, October 5th at 3 o'clock here at Cornerstone Christian Church. Uh, and you can find our address on Google, Cornerstone Christian Church in Brownsburg, or cornerstonerock.org. You can find it all there. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. No, and... You know, we're going to have a memorial service. It's not a long, drawn-out, you know, but it's more of making those connections. How, what it was your child's name, and how does, you know, what does God say about this? What healing does God bring us? Yeah, and, and we speak about hope. Yes. Uh, in, in every memorial service that, that we've been a part of, and, and I just did, did a memorial service for the, the Hendricks County Hospital, um, and, and the whole message is, you have to find hope. Yeah. No matter where you're at, you have to find hope. And if you can't find it on your own, then reach out and find somebody to help you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the things that we tell everybody that we talk to and, and anybody that's listening that, that needs to hear it, you're not alone. No. And and don't be don't be afraid to latch on to somebody. Oh yeah. And find hope. Yeah. And if you can't find it there's people who are willing to walk that road with you until you do. Yes, yes. And so it's getting them here and it's, being able to talk to them and meet them and say, this doesn't have to be the end of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to find out more information, how would they do so? Well, about the specific uh, memorial service, we've both made posts on Facebook um, and we're Brian and Jennifer Ford. If you want to find us on Facebook, we have a, I have a lot of friends who I've never met in face like in person, yeah, face to face. But they want to talk to me about loss. Um, yeah. They've heard it through friends, you know, yeah. like through the grapevine. Sure, send it my way. Or um, we have a it's on the church here website. Yeah, and you can email. I mean, people can email me, yeah. Larry at cornerstonerock.org, You know, um, you know, referencing the specific podcast. Um, and we will make sure we connect them to yeah. you guys. Absolutely. But we don't want it just to be, here's a memorial service. Now, go your way and be healed. You right. know, peace be with you. It this is, is supposed to be the beginning of something longer. Right. Absolutely. And like I, like Brian started, I'm. this is a healing process. Yeah. And this is not a, you do one thing and it helps, it, but it doesn't cure you. It's, yeah. You know, there is no cure for this. Yeah. This is... How do we place our hope in God? How do we find that joy again? Not just happiness, but that true joy again, because right. happiness will come later too. Um, and then how can we help you more? You know, we could do support groups, really just talking. We're, yeah. We are available 24-7. Yeah. We've literally been up all night with people before. Because 
we know. And we yeah. want people to come away knowing that we have a Savior yeah. who loves us and didn't cause this, but he mourned with us. So it's more than just feeling good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's about, it's about uh, you know, having hope and salvation absolutely. and a relationship yeah. with Jesus Christ. All right, so last, well, last words. I want to give you guys the last words here. And, and I want to phrase this question because... You know, there's probably people listening to this right now who've never experienced this, and but have a friend who has, relative who has, church member who has. What advice would you give them on how to best support their loved one in their, during this time of crisis? I think for me, the, the best advice is don't shortchange their grieving. Uh, it's important to go through the entire grieving process. Don't try to shortcut it. But be with them so that they don't get lost in it. Yes. Be there when they need somebody to be there. Listen when they need somebody to listen. And don't allow them to get lost in the grief. Yeah. Because you go through the grief process and it's easy to just stop and live there. And and as she she spoke of earlier, to find your comfort in there. And and that's when we as, as friends and loved ones have to say, okay, we're here with you, but you've got to move from this place. Yeah. Because there's still life to live. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would be my message. And, and as always, God is our only hope. Yeah. Um, if you're not to that place in your faith journey, you still have to find hope. Yeah. And, and my hope is that you find my hope. Yeah. But you have to find hope where you're at. Yeah. And don't get stopped. Don't get stuck. Well, that's really good. So I would say that. <laughs> uh, ditto, me times two. All yeah. right. <laughs> I would also just say, just be there. Be present, you know. Um, whether it be a message, hey, just thinking about you. It, you don't have to come up with a Hallmark card greeting. Or um, I think if it's somebody super, super close, it is very special if, like, on the anniversary of that child's death, they just, you remember. Because the mom will remember. The dad will remember, but just if, I mean, if I'm saying if you're super duper close, I have some very close friends who remember those things, but just be present. Yeah. Get into the nastiness of yeah. your, of that, that time. If they're your close friend, get in there with them. And yeah. You're afraid to get dirty. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Yeah. Well guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It really means a lot to me Thanks. that you guys were brave and courageous enough to talk about this and uh, we'll be praying for your ministry for sure. Um, and we'll continue to support that. Uh, Well, that does it for the Coffee and Conversation podcast. As always, uh, brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church, our one and only sponsor. Uh, (laughs) uh, And if you would like more information on our church, uh, you can check us out on Facebook at CCC Brownsburg. You'll actually find the event uh, for uh, the uh, memorial service on there. Uh, you can also check us out online uh, cornerstonerock.org uh, any questions or comments can be sent to Larry at cornerstonerock.org uh, and find us on iTunes you open up the podcast app on your phone uh, you can search for my name Larry Vinson V-I-N-S-O-N or Coffee and Conversation and subscribe share and review because it helps us to be found on the interwebs as Aaron Rose puts I'm never letting him live that down uh, so thank you so much for joining us uh, we will see you next time on the Coffee and Conversation Station podcast.